continuing in our study of the book of Leviticus today, we're going to be in just three verses of Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus chapter 23, and and I will mention to you now that uh, soon, prayerfully, we will be past the COVID stuff, and we'll be able to pass a plate again and all that and continue in our worship in that regard. But if you would like to give to continue the ministry of Holmes Avenue here, uh, you can do so at the offering plates on your exit this morning, or you can give, as you see on the screen, homesavenue.com forward slash give. Um, as Pastor Walter said at the beginning, I welcome you as well. Uh, if I don't know you, uh, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors. And uh, for those of you joining us online, glad to have you with us as well. Um, like I said, we are continuing in Leviticus 23 in our sermon series, Holy God, Holy People. And uh, if you haven't been here in a while, I just want to just bring you up to speed on where we are. Um, as, as you may remember from a few weeks ago, uh, once we hit uh, the Day of Atonement with chapter 16, that hinge, as Pastor Walter said, is kind of turned for the book of Leviticus for us. And we're learning how to live these things out, all these things that God has talked about to the people uh, in those first several chapters now leading up to this point. We've been talking through these things of how we live these things out daily. And for the message today, uh, we are looking at the subject matter of Sabbath rest. Like I said, we're only covering three verses, and to be honest, we're going to camp out in just one verse today. Um, You probably still will be here for the normal length of time, so just prepare yourself. Um, But we're going to be in verses one through three of that. And so since it is a shorter passage, let's stand together for a moment and let's honor the reading of God's Word through that. Leviticus 23 Starting at verse 1, it will be on the screen if you need it. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, These are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feast. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. This is the word of God. Father, we ask, Lord, now that you be glorified. Speak, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right. God has commanded his people, as we see here, to take a Sabbath rest unto him. And for those who are in Christ, our rest comes from the finished work of Jesus. And so for this section of Scripture, um, it's going to point us to some uh, specific feasts and, and festival celebrations uh, that Pastor Walter is actually going to cover next week for us on Family Sunday. Um, but, uh, and I don't want to steal his thunder, but very briefly in verses 1 and 2, we're going to cover those. And like I said, we'll camp out in verse 3. So looking again at verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, and you probably, if you've, if you've heard us for week after week after week, it's like this is a common thing that is usually said every time that the Lord is speaking to Moses. But I always think it's so important just to point it out just for a brief moment. The Lord spoke to Moses. The Lord spoke to Moses. I'm, I'm reminded of what we just prayed about prior to the sermon and the fact that we are in a broken, fallen, sinful world. What God created and saw that it was good and saw that it was perfect. As we know from Genesis chapter 3, sin comes into the world when Adam and Eve sinned against God. And since then, there has been sin running rampant. And it will, unfortunately, throughout the rest of time until Christ Jesus returns. That is the reality. But for those in Christ, we know that although we are still sinners, we are forgiven of our sins through the precious blood of Jesus that was poured out. 
God in his sovereignty still speaks to the people. God in his sovereignty through the power of the Holy Spirit still speaks to us today. That ought to just leave us in awe for a moment. Who are we that God would speak to us? Who are we that God would send his only begotten son to die for us? Now, we're not going to take an inventory of the sin that we battle, but we can all right now take a survey and say that we're all sinners. Can we not? We all are sinners. We all deserve God's wrath. We all deserve separation from God for all eternity, but thanks be to God that the cross happened. Thanks be to God for that. And I pray through what we're seeing today that you will see that there is an eternal rest that comes because of that finished work. The Lord spoke to Moses. The Lord has spoken. The Lord speaks to us, church. Thanks be to God for that. I'm so thankful that he has not turned his ear to us. I'm so thankful that he has not said, banished are you. I'm so thankful that he has said, I love you. And I have paid the price for you. Verse 2. Speak to the people of Israel, saying to them, These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feast. Here God says the appointed feast or the holy convocations. These are the things that the people are to engage in. These are days that are appointed for the commitment to meet with God. Why were they appointed? Why were they appointed to the people? The word appointed here was related to the word congregation. And it points to the fact that the congregation came together for the appointed place and the appointed time. It was a gathering. Something similar for us. We are gathering right now to exalt Christ, to worship God established the time for his people to meet with him. He established it and they were to be obligated to meet with him there. To meet with him during those times. It also pointed to the appointed place. If you've been paying attention through our journey through the book of Leviticus, we know that the appointed place where this would happen would be at the tent of meeting. The tabernacle. No matter where it would be, no matter where it was built and placed there, in that place, it represented the spirit, the presence of God in that place. Now, the Sabbath, what we're going to talk about today. We'll see in verse 3 and remain there the rest of the time. As I said, it points to how every seventh day, seventh day, the people were reminded that they were to covenant, they were to, by the covenant people of God, they were to take the time to observe a Sabbath, a time of rest. Now, as I said, I'm not stealing Pastor Walter's thunder for next week, so we will move on to verse 3. Six days shall work be done. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. God instructs the necessity of the Sabbath day. On the seventh day, there was to be a Sabbath of solemn rest. A time of breaking away to focus on God, to appreciate what God has done. 
God calls this a holy convocation where no work is to take place. And the Lord took the Sabbath day very seriously. Matter of fact, it is not only one of the Ten Commandments, but right after the addressing of how we are to be with God, it's the first thing that's mentioned within the Ten Commandments to the people. He says there in Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work, do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Very serious what God has called the people to do. Sidebar, I want to interject in there. Some of you may not have been here back on Mother's Day when we were talking about this on Leviticus chapter 19, but it says in there, male servant or female servant, and just for context, that's not referring to how we refer to slavery as we've seen in our country. And so go back and listen to that from Leviticus 19 on Mother's Day, and you'll understand the context of why that is mentioned in there. But if you'll recall from the study on Leviticus 19, if you were here from a couple of weeks ago, it's the same kind of principle as what we see in Exodus 31, 13, which says, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. There was a purpose to the Sabbath. There was a purpose to why they were to rest. Several purposes, in fact. Several. But one that we see from the verse that that I just read there alone is for the people to remember that the Lord sanctifies them. He has done this. He has brought them out of captivity in Egypt. He has been with them every single step of the way. He has provided for them even in the moments where they have sinned against him. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Does the same thing for us, church. We must realize the seriousness of the Sabbath in the life of God's people. All activities for them came to a halt. The busyness of life stopped. Nothing was to be done. Nothing at all. The adjective there describing rest says solemn rest. And as Kevin Matthew says in his commentary, it's basically saying a Sabbath of Sabbath observance. Like a time to just break away and focus and worship God for what he has done. The idea of solemn rest was crucial in the eyes of God. And he indicated that phrasing not only here, but also in other places. And I'm not going to put the entire chapter on the, on the screen for you, but you can go back and make a note and read about it. You can see it furthermore in Exodus 31 and Exodus 35. But specifically in chapter 35 of Exodus, people would be put to death for their disobedience to God in that. That's how serious it was for God. It's one of the Ten Commandments for them. The phrasing of solemn rest, it also describes two other specific times. The Day of Atonement, as we talked about. The Day of Atonement was on the seventh month, known as the Sabbath month. 
And you can recall that from Pastor Walster's message on Leviticus 16 from several weeks ago. And then also the sabbatical year. Sabbatical year. And, and that cultivation was when the land uh, was prohibited in the seventh year. And, and we're going to see more about that coming up in chapter 25, so just be patient for that. But there's a significance to the number seven. We, we've referenced this here before. We've done it through this series talking about this. As we've discussed before, the number seven symbolizes perfection. No, it, it symbolizes wholeness, completion. We see from these passages that there's another, uh, excuse me, a number of appropriate uh, ways for worship of God because he alone is worthy of the worship. He alone is perfect. He is God. So when God is telling the people to do these things, even before we even look at the subject matter of the Sabbath, Everything that God has told the people to do, he has laid out all of those rituals and the way in which they are to follow him. He is holy, therefore he commands his people to be what? Holy. Because he alone is holy. He alone is worthy of the worship. He is the one that has given breath into our lungs to breathe, to live. And it's all originally designed to glorify him. That is the purpose of that is why we have breath in our lungs. When Jesus ascends into heaven, he gives the great commission and he tells them to go. Tells the followers, go and tell the world what I have done for you. Don't just sit back and wait. There's many different things that we can see that just point to the fact that God is holy and he has called his people to do stuff. And so we should follow through in those things. Here for what we're seeing today, the Sabbath. When it came to the Sabbath, the entire intention of the day was to get away, as I said, from everything and intentionally focus on the one true God, the one that has saved them, the one who has redeemed them. When it says there that to have the Sabbath and to do this, this went all the way down to the livestock. Like nothing is to be done. Now there were certain points of celebration that came within the realm of understanding the Sabbath and following through with that. I'll share a couple of those with you. Celebrating of creation. The celebrating of creation. God created the world in six days, and he did what? He rested on the seventh. There needed to be a seventh day of rest for God. God saw everything, saw that it was good, and he rested on the seventh day. And then everything continued after that. This moment of rest, the beauty of that in creation. Second thing, redemption. As I've already stated, God saved his people from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. All the stuff that they had gone through, the pain, the suffering in Egypt. And in a beautiful, climactic, almost cinematic way, I'm, the, the movie Ten Commandments is playing in my head right now. But we, we see the, the, we read in Scripture how they go and he saves them there through the sea, parting the waters and crashing it down on their enemies. Always watching and protecting his people, always caring for them, redeeming them. 
It is by those two truths alone of creation and redemption that that God is seen by his people as creator and redeemer. The celebration of the Sabbath was a way for the people of Israel to show by their rest and worship of God how thankful they were for what God had done. It says there in verse 2, these are the appointed feast of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations to proclaim it to praise God for what he has done then there's also a third beautiful thing about Sabbath it represents eternal rest it represents eternal rest. The beauty of the Sabbath was that it foreshadowed the future, the ultimate, complete rest that was to come because of the finished work of Jesus. The beauty of what was to come. For the nation of Israel, there was a promised land. The Lord led his people and said the promised land was there to provide the rest that they needed from their enemies. There were some who refused to enter and died short of that promise. But even in the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4, 6-9, Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news fail to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. We must remember, just as the writer of Hebrews is urging to trust the Lord and know that there is a day coming for eternal rest. Now, I'm going to talk about the rest for us here and now in just a moment. But we have to remember that because of Jesus' finished work, there is a day of eternal rest where the pains of this life will not matter anymore. Where the news of someone 14 years old being killed in our city won't ring aloud anymore. Because there's a day of eternal rest that is coming. In the next verse of that Hebrews passage, in verse 10 of chapter 4, the writer of Hebrews says, For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his Why is that important? There is a correlation between this writing and that of the creation account. Each day ends with what the day was. For example, uh, there's not to mention at the end of day seven this conclusion. In the the creation account, after the first day, and that was the first day. I'm summarizing. That was the first day. And it goes on to the second day. And this is the end of the second day. We don't see that when we get to day seven because God took that day of rest. It was all complete. The Lord saw that it was all good and he rested. All who enter God's eternal rest will not have to worry, as I said, about the stress and the pain of this life any longer because there's a day coming or we will see that eternal promise. There's a day coming where we will see eternal rest. 
Praise God for it. All who enter God's eternal rest will one day truly rest from his works because of that promise. We can cling to that reality that although the ultimate day has yet to come, we are still free from the bondage of sin and rest in the truth that we have been set free by Jesus. Now, hearing those things about the Sabbath, what are some things of which we here today can look at? Because you may be hearing those things. You may say, well, Pastor Brian, that's from the Old Testament. That's from the law. We know that Christ Jesus came under the new covenant. Christ Jesus fulfilled the law. So what does it mean for us today? I'm glad you asked. Here's some points if you want to take some notes. Number one, remember the Lord's day. Remember the Lord's day. While the new covenant is established, as I said, because of Christ's finished work, we can still follow this concept of the Sabbath much like any other Ten Commandments. We still honor the Lord. We still don't take his name in vain. We still honor our parents. We still don't go and kill people. We still need to have Sabbath in our lives. That doesn't mean that you have to go and break off from every single thing under the sun. Because for the reality for all of us, some stuff wouldn't happen. Like some stuff would not get done if that was the case for us. But we still need to seek out ways in which to rest. Now, just as the New Testament church did, and you can look at Acts 20 as a reference. It says there that they would gather on the first day. They would gather there on the first day to break bread, to worship. And it was established, and we know this from the finished work of Christ and what he does, does on the cross. When he dies on the cross on Friday, Good Friday, he is placed into the tomb, and nothing is done there on the Sabbath. And on Resurrection Sunday, they go back to the tomb. That has always been re recognized by the church as the first day of the week. That is recognized by us as the Lord's Day. That is why we are sitting here and watching online on Sunday because this is recognized as the Lord's Day, the day in which we gather to celebrate Jesus' defeat of the grave and resurrection. This is the Lord's Day. Now, as I said, there aren't verbatim requirements in the scriptures, under the new covenant for a way in which we honor Christ in a Sabbath on the Lord's day. Y'all may remember back in the day they had those blue laws. And they, there was very minimal things that were sold and things like that. In some regard, I think that's a really good thing. Wish we had it back. But there were those things in which that, that Sunday was honored as a, a, a day of the Lord. And we know as our culture has continually progressed to be less and less post, excuse me, more and more post-Christian, that's the reality of where we are. Which also ignites a flame more and more in us to be the church and to proclaim the excellencies of what God has done and who he is. But we are to honor the Lord's day. The writer of Hebrews, again, he highlights in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. 
The writer of Hebrews there is, is telling us to stir one another, to come alongside one another, to be the church, to, to minister to one another as we proclaim the good news, as we gather to glorify God. And it says there, as the day is drawing near, the day of the Lord, the day of which Christ Jesus truly will return as he's promised that he will do. And what a glorious day that will be. You must see the necessary aspect, the requirement almost, if you will, of remembering the Lord's day and gathering with the body of Christ to stir up one another to love and good works. We are to do this all the more as we see that day drawing near. Now, I know that things happen. I know that vacations come about. We're about to, Pastor Walter and I were just talking about the summer. The summer is coming. We know that there are going to be vacations. We know those things. Those are not bad things. Those are good things. I just took a vacation a month ago. Those are very good things. People have requirements from work. That's understandable things. But we must do our absolute best to honor the Lord's day and gather together. There's that crucial element of gathering together to be stirred up. I heard this said a couple weeks ago, and it has continually stuck with me. Um, Pastor Adam at Restoration actually said it. He was referring to a, a conversation that he was having with one of his staff members, and it, it's just, it's like, yeah, I get that, duh, but it's just, it's so profound as well. When we gather together on Sunday to worship, you know, we can kind of fall into this routine if it's the same old thing that we've got to do. We've all been guilty of that. But think about for a moment what takes place where the local body that is covenanted together gathers for a purpose. In the hour and a half time period that we're together, when we're singing in here, we're all at the same time as a body crying out to our Lord. We're crying out in worship, singing a song like Almighty, acknowledging Him for who He is and what He has done. That is powerful. And the same is true for every body of believers that gathers together. We are family. And as a family, we gather together not to check a box. Not to just say, I've done my part for the week. I'm going to put my Bible down and that's it. No. Part of our admiration and awe of God is to come together with the saints of our church family and cry out, Lord, you have saved my soul and I want to glorify you for that. And we're doing it all in one accord. We don't just do it just to sing a song. In this moment, you're hearing the word of God proclaimed. We're all sitting under the teaching of Scripture together in this moment. Prayerfully, you're engaging with one another outside of here. And if you're not, let's do it. <laughs> and if you need to be pinpointed to a person and, and figure out a way to get that, talk to us. We will get you guys connected. But we need to be doing life together. 
That is the importance of the body. But especially here on the Lord's day, we gather in one accord to praise God for what he has done. This is literally my favorite day of the week. Not because I get to preach. Not because it's something I have to do as part of my job description. I look forward to this day every day of the week leading up to Sunday because this is the day I get together with my family and we cry out to our Father. The second thing is that we make time for rest for our souls. Make time for rest for your soul. Transparency moment. Pastor Walter and I, we have had a calendar laid out since before January, and we put in passages leading up through the end of this series. And I know that it's coming. And as he referenced, I think it was last week or the last time he preached before that, like when he was preaching the other, it was a couple weeks before Mother's Day. And as he's preaching, like, I'm looking, I'm like, wait a minute, Mother's Day is the week after Matt's year. Like, I wanted to make sure what we were talking about on Mother's Day. Like, I know it's coming, but the busyness of life gets in there and it gets be close to the week when it's going to be coming, when we're really diving into when we're studying for what we're going to preach. And over the last week and a half, looking at this passage, it was, it was hard for me. Because there's moments where I don't find rest in the midst of the chaos of life. And so believe me when I tell you, I've repented before the Lord about this before I preached it. But there are times where life gets heavy, and we know that, and we have to find rest in the midst of the life's crazy storms, the chaos that is around us, the busyness of life. Now, although we are not having to follow the Old Testament law in the regard Christ Jesus has fulfilled the law, we do need to find times of Sabbath in our lives. We must find that time to break away. And I'm not talking about just a once a month kind of thing. You need to find disciplined time in your week to get away. And I'm not saying move off somewhere, go on a trip every single week. I'm just saying if that means you go into your prayer closet and shut out the craziness of life for an hour and just be alone in silence, do that on top of the time that you're spending with the Lord daily in his word. Find that time for rest. Now here's the beauty of what we see Jesus himself say in his ministry. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you are in Christ, you have been saved and you have experienced that through Christ Jesus. But that idea of come to me, yes, it's a one and done for our salvation, but it's a reminder to us of a continual coming. A continual coming to the Lord for that time of rest, 
for that time of being refreshed, for that time of being renewed. It's a reminder for us that when things are crazy in life and you're anxious, you're depressed, you're down, you're stressed from all the stuff you have going on at work, whatever it may be, you have a loved one that is sick, you hear the news of a 14-year-old girl being killed, you go to the one that provides the rest for your souls and you cry out to him. You come to him because he is the one that will give you rest. There are some of us here in this place or watching online that needs to be reminded of that truth. If you're walking around holding on to a lot of pain, baggage, sin, whatever it is, Go to the one that has provided the rest for your soul and lay it at his feet. Lay it at his feet. Give it to him and trust that he is with you. Trust that he is going to provide for you and care for you. It may not magically take it away instantly, but you have to remember he is with you always. He is with you always. As I was writing this sermon, I got to this point. And I was like, I don't want to put something out there to make it sound like a self-help because I don't want to do that. But there's some things that the Lord just kept speaking to me that I feel like just need to be said as as reminders to us that are like, oh yeah, that's a no-brainer. But when you're in the midst of, of craziness, and you're not finding time for Sabbath and you're, or rest, they could be so forgetful. Church, we need adequate sleep. We need adequate sleep. The Lord created everything he did in creation and then he rested. And I know, as being one that thinks it, that we may think that we're Superman and Superwoman, And we can handle a lot of stuff. But I had a dear friend this week tell me, as a reminder to me, and I firmly believe it was the Lord speaking through this person to me, Brian, you're not Superman. Now to that person's credit, they said you're close. (laughs) But you're not Superman. We need rest. We need physical rest for our bodies. We need time away from these things. We need time away from the electronics. Literally at the wedding reception yesterday, I had the privilege of marrying a a girl from from high school and and her fiance, now husband. And the reception was right there in the fellowship hall. And some of the kids were were in there on their phone and playing and all of that. And um, one of the ladies said, I just don't get it. Like, they're just glued to that thing all the time. And I made the comment, and I was like, I guarantee you half of them don't even know how to ride a bike. And one of the kids started laughing, and he goes, I don't know how to ride a bike. And he was like eight years old. I remember as a kid, like, I was outside all the time. <laughs> but we need to have a break from it. And I'm not saying electronics are bad. Goodness gracious, I use it. I, I'm on it. I've got to watch, like, all that. 
but we need those time away because they are easily distracting us. If you're still working, you need to leave work at the office. Brian, this is turning into a self-help. I get it. I'm just trying to help us understand easy things that we can do that when we push pause on those things, we focus on the primary. The primary is rest for our souls with our Father. And then it's our families. And then it's everything else. If you're a workaholic, leave the work at the office. We need to say no more than we say yes. And I mean that in the sense of not taking on more than we can handle. We need to say yes to things that are good. We need to say yes for things in the church. So don't think that I'm saying don't help out the church. In all these things, we ultimately need to find more time to be with the one who restores us, who gives us rest. Last thing, share the good news of eternal rest. Share the good news of eternal rest. It's because of the things that I've already mentioned that people don't know how to rest. People don't know how to Sabbath. Our culture is so fast-paced that burnout is real. It's true for Christians. And if it's true for Christians, you better believe it's true for unchristians. If it's true for both, hear me. If it's true for both, imagine how much more overwhelming it is for those that are apart from Christ. Here's what I mean. For those who are apart from Christ, they don't know the one who says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. They don't know Christ Jesus. They're separated from Christ. So when chaos is going around them, they're busy, they're overwhelmed, all of those things, they may turn to things that are not good. They may turn to drugs, alcohol to cope. They may turn to sex. They may turn to whatever you may want to fill in the blank with. They turn to those things instead of turning to the one who can restore their soul. They don't know the relief that is coming from Christ, who ultimately will make all things new when this world is said and done. And church, here's the thing. We have been commissioned by our Savior to proclaim the good news of the gospel. And Pastor Brian, you're telling us to rest, and yet here you are burdening us with the work of ministry. I'm not burdening you. That's the Holy Spirit. But what I'm saying is this. Don't look at it through the lens of this is an overwhelming, daunting task now that I've got to go and make sure that I'm saying this and this and this to all these people that I know in my life are lost. Take simple steps. Make it part of your daily lives. You know the eternal rest that comes through Christ because you have been changed by him because of his precious blood that was poured out on Calvary's cross, his defeat of sin and death, and his resurrection. 
You know that because He has redeemed you. He has saved your soul. He provides the rest that is needed. So knowing that and living it out as the Lord has you engaged with people and the opportunities open up, proclaim the gospel. Y'all, I, got, I, I just have to give glory to God for this. We put out on the email on the National Day of Prayer for the Bless Every Home. And if you haven't been doing that, I want to encourage you to do it. I'm going to put another reminder tomorrow that goes out. It's just a way for you to be praying for your neighbors. And since we've been living in Otrano now for the last two years, I've started to fill out the magnet. And we still have some over here if you want one. I've been filling out the magnet as people have started to move on. And y'all, my magnet got filled last week. Like, I know now the names of every person that is around us. And I've been praying for opportunities. One day, last weekend, literally in the same day, three of the neighbors of the houses that are around my house were in my driveway at different points of the day talking to me. That's nothing that Brian's done. That's just praying and asking God to give me the opportunity to build a relationship with neighbors. One of the neighbors has a young family, and by God's sovereign grace, their youngest son likes to take things and throw it in my yard, which has led to a relationship that has now started. The doorbell has rang, first time, introduced him, went over there, grabbed the items, met dad, now I've met mom, now I've met all the kids. Noah and I went on a little run. Noah did not run. <laughs> he was in the, he was in the uh, stroller. We went on a little run the other day. I had started it. I had to push pause as soon as I got to the corner because they were all outside. Hey! God has provided that simply because of an attitude of, Lord, I want to proclaim the good news to the people that are around me. Just give me the opportunity to build relationships. It's simple. And I pray to God that he will continually give me opportunities to engage with these people more and more and more and prayerfully come to faith through the proclamation of the gospel. Because I don't know all of their stories yet. But what I do know is the one who can provide the eternal rest for their souls because he's done it for me and he's done it for you. We have to share this good news we have to find the time to set aside for rest, for our own Sabbath. And it's going to look different for every single one of us because every single one of us has different schedules and, 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 and things that we're required to do in our daily lives. But set apart the time to just get away. That day when that person called me this week, I was sitting in a park that's very secluded in the like, back part of our neighborhood. And it's it's very beautiful park. I mean, maybe three of these sanctuaries together. I mean, it's smaller, but it's right on the water of the Goose Week Reservoir. And just sitting out there on the bench, swinging. I didn't do anything as far as bringing a, a, a list of things to knock off for work. I didn't do anything. I just went out there and just sat in silence. I'm telling you right now, if you haven't done that for some time, go do it. Because when you sit in silence 
and turn off everything from the loudness of life around us, the Lord will speak. All we got to do is make the way to listen. Find that time for rest for your souls because here's the thing, church. If we're not continually finding the time for rest, we're running on empty and we can't do the things we've been called by God to do. So my question for us is this today. Are you finding rest? Have you found the one that provides the ultimate rest for your souls that you need? And you may be a person that has been coming to church week after week after week for years, watching online for as long as we've been offering it, and you think that you're good, but you've never met the one who provides the rest for your soul eternally. And his name is Jesus. And he died bearing the weight of the sin of all mankind. But thanks be to God, he didn't just die. He resurrected. He's ascended. And he sits at the right hand of God. And there's a day where he's returning. My prayer is that you are truly in Christ. And you know him. And you will one day stand around the throne room honoring and glorifying and worshiping him forever. And if you're here and you would say that you do know this God, you do know Christ Jesus, but man, things have been rough. Things have been hard. You need to go to him. You have to remember that he's been with you always. And he will continue to be. Just cry out to him. And if you need prayer, we'll pray with you. We'll come alongside of you. We will help you. But don't ignore it. As the Holy Spirit is moving and working right now, don't ignore what God is saying. Let's take a few moments of quiet reflection. Ask God, Lord, what are you saying right now? And then I'll pray, and then the band will come forward, and we'll sing a beautiful song of it as well. Let's pray. Father, you are good. You are so, so good. Father, we don't deserve your grace and your mercy. 
But Lord, freely, every day of our lives for us in Christ, you give it to us over and over and over again because of Christ Jesus' finished work. Lord, we are so grateful for that. We are so grateful for your word. Lord, we are so grateful for the Holy Spirit that indwells us. We are so grateful, Father, that when we seek you, you are always there. Lord, it takes times where we have to push pause on everything and just sit in silence and hear you speak through your word. Hear you speak to our souls. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have provided the eternal rest for our souls through Christ Jesus. When we sinned against you, yet you still had Christ die for us. Thank you, Father, for that. Thank you, Lord, for loving us despite our sinful hearts. Lord, I pray for the folks that are listening to me right now in this room or online. Father, I pray that you would speak to them here in this moment. Lord, if they do not know you and they haven't experienced the rest that truly comes from you, Father, I pray that today would be the day that they acknowledge their sinfulness and they would confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, repenting of that sin and believing, Lord, that you have resurrected Christ from the grave. And Lord, if they do know you, and they're just battling things in life. They're, they're worn down. They're tired. Whatever it may be, God, I pray that you would meet them where they are as you are always with us and remind them, child, come to me. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Father, we're about to sing this song to you right now. And Lord, I pray that it would be the cry of our hearts. Knowing, Lord, that no matter what comes in this life, no matter what we face, it truly is well. Because we have you, Lord. We have the promise of eternal life. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you, Father. We honor you and we glorify you and we worship you now. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.